Ephesians 4:22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. For two weeks now, we've been studying the effects of our having lived so long within our former life of unbelief with all of its many corrupt and destructive habits and behaviors that it is now ever so difficult to turn away from them now that we have given our hearts to Christ in salvation. And how now we naively and very mistakenly find ourselves bringing those old ways, those old habits, those old conducts into our new life with Christ. And how God's Spirit is telling us that such things will not be permitted. That in Christ we are brand new creatures and the old things of our old life must be left behind, abandoned, as we become this new man, this new woman, that God calls us to be. As I have pondered these exhortations from God, there's an analogy that comes to my mind. And it's one from our television. For the past several years, some of the most watched television programs have been those that feature some manner of makeover or fix-up of one old thing or another, old houses, old cars, old bodies, all seeking to fulfill the impossible hope, as the saying goes, to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. But as with most all of those efforts in this natural life, the result and the success of those efforts, though they are being presented in their very best light there in those TV programs, they're relative. Their success is relative. Now, yes, good craftsmen can do wonders and make an old house look really good. And a good makeup artist can present an old face as flawless and beautiful. But the real truth remains that beneath the surface of that new-looking house or that younger-looking face are still many of those same old flaws that were there before. And those old flaws will surely someday resurface and become more of a problem than they ever were before. As I read these words again for us, beginning in verse 17 and then following on through verse 24, may I ask that you consider carefully the truth that God is conveying regarding your and my old man, that old person that we were before our salvation and especially his commands regarding the only real fix, the only real fix that really works. Follow along with me. Beginning in verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, let me clarify again. In using the term Gentiles, primarily it is unbelievers he's speaking about here that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, 
having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct that old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now as we consider these words again, may I first ask you, are you personally prepared to recognize your own self and your own behavior within the words that I just read? Because before you received Christ as your Savior, you were some version of this old man, this old woman that's spoken about here. Blindness in their heart being past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, and on and on. Are you prepared to accept that that was who you were before you received Christ as your Savior? But more importantly, now that you've received Christ, have you and, and His Holy Spirit is living within you, Has His presence begun to make the necessary changes that He intends for you? Or have you perhaps allowed some of those old flaws in the foundation of your soul to begin to resurface? Have those old wrinkles that once defined the way that you used to look, have they begun to re-wrinkle? Simply put, are you still living in much the same manner and much the same lifestyle you lived in before you were saved? Have you brought some or even many of your old favorite habits and behaviors with you into your new relationship with Christ? For two weeks now, as we've studied these words, we've said over and over again that old sins left unattended will surely do exactly as these words declare to us. They will begin to regrow in corruption according to deceitful lusts. That is a truth that will take place if sin is left unattended. Now thankfully as we read these words, we see that God's exhortation doesn't stop with just simply exhorting us to put off the old man, leaving us to wonder and to decide for ourselves about when and what we should do next. He knows that if we do not take strong, immediate, preventive measures with our soul, listen, the empty void left as Christ cleansed our soul with His salvation will surely leave a convenient opening for that evil one to come back in and begin His work all over again. Listen to these words. This is Matthew 12, beginning in verse 43. He says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. 
And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Let me say to you, this is very, very real. You get saved. You receive Christ as your Savior. He wipes away every sin. That's what the blood of Christ does. And so now you're clean. But you don't do anything. You don't take the next step. These words of the Lord Jesus are very real. And we dare not simply put off that old self and do nothing more. We must immediately begin replacing that old self, that void in there, with a whole new creature. Our new born-again self. And so then that's why we read that Yes, you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. But then we must be renewed in the spirit of our mind and that you and I put on the new person, the new man, which was, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Considering these words, I want to emphasize the warning that I have given so often. And that is, listen, God does not, and He never will, simply clean up and renew your old self. We have a program that has been going for 40 or 50 years called Behavior Modification. It is a prime tool within our public school system. And let me assure you, it absolutely does not work. Yes, it can change some manner of behavior. But not what God's talking about. God will not ever simply clean up that old person. Our old self, your old self, is incapable, absolutely incapable of being fixed. Such efforts will always be futile, worthless, a waste of time. And why is that so? Let's revisit some words that we studied a few weeks back in Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. There the Lord tells us, And you, you and me, He made alive when we received Christ. You He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And listen, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Listen, there is no way of mistaking God's meaning in these words. Simply put, unless and until God does His miraculous work of salvation within us, our soul is dead. Our soul is dead, completely dead undeniably dead. We look dead, we act dead, we think dead. And to add even more misery, these words tell us that in that dead condition, we are inhabited by, inhabited by the demonic spirits of death. Did you ever think before you were saved that that was your condition? With them in control of us, we conduct 
the matters of our daily life in a manner that not only speaks back to ourselves that we are dead, it speaks to everyone else around us. This message of death. Now that is the old man that God is telling you and me that we absolutely must put off. Considering the analogy of renovating an old house. Now while yes, and this is usually the the failing point, homeowners dearly desire to hang on to old family homes. And those television producers, they're in the business of restoring old homes. But the simplest truth sometimes is that those old homes are beyond fixing up. They're beyond fixing up. Their basic structure is corrupt to the core. They're unfixable. And if that structure is truly dead, no matter how nostalgically important it is, sometimes it's simply the better part of wisdom to simply tear the structure down and begin all over again. And that's what God is saying about your and my soul. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God knows you and me. He knows his creation. And he knows that there really is no way to completely clean up or fix up our old man, our old self. The old must completely die and we must become a completely new creature. And that is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again by the Spirit of God. It's then and it's only then that God can really begin to do His miraculous regenerating work within us. But now, strangely, and I confess, I do not understand this uh, reasoning of the Lord. He will give me an understanding at some point in my life. But God has providentially decided to allow the remnants of our old nature to continue to have access, not control, but access and influence into our new souls. And because of that, he gives us our required part here in these words. Because you and I must take part in the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do it, but you and I have to take the actual steps. And that's why he says, notice these words. They are intentionally given to us. Verse 22, You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you hear that? For all of our former life, we were so accustomed to giving in to the power and the guidance of our old self. It's now easy to kind of slide right back into those old ways, to give in to those urges that are being whispered into our ear by our old self. And God is telling us here, don't do that. Don't do that anymore. Do not listen to that old voice. He's saying here that we must quickly and firmly deny the urgings of our old ways. To put off that old man and to begin to put on the new man and to get on about the new life that God has for us. Else, 
as with the example of the person who had been cleansed of his old demons. Those same demons. Listen. Those same demons absolutely will return and bring with them many more into your and my life. And our new condition then will be far worse than it ever was before. We dare not leave our souls clean and empty. We must immediately fill our heart, soul, mind, and spirit with the new man who is filled with the presence of Christ. And here again, God is generous to us. He doesn't leave us to wonder how or what we're to do next. Read with me, beginning in verse 24. That you put off the old man and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Now here, just as God so generously gave us direction on how we are to put off the old man, here he is also giving us direction, practical, doable instructions about how we should conduct our lives now that we are a new man, a new woman in Christ. Now, these words do sound very similar to the ones that we studied about putting off the old man. But these are special in that they are taking a first step forward into the new man. And may I say again, we really can do all of these things. Why? It's because God never commands us to do something that He will not also give us the strength to do them. No, we can't do them on our own. But now that we have Christ, He gives us the command and He gives us the strength to do them. Read again with me, verse 25. And we'll begin there and then we'll not finish all of these today. We'll probably do just one. But we, Lord willing, will return to them next week. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, curiously... God ranks our telling of a lie right up at the top of the most loathsome of sins that we can be involved in. I'd like to give you one example of that, uh, of his disdain for liars. This from Revelation chapter 21, where God is dealing with judgment, eternal judgment. Revelation 21 verse 8, But the cowardly, listen, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars 
shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Did you notice? You really can't escape the intensity of God's hatred for lying. Because he grouped liars in with the worst of the worst. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters. Simply put, God nowhere in these scriptures permits an instance where lying is considered to be the right thing to do. No matter how much we might think so. In Exodus chapter 20, the ninth commandment prohibits false witness, lying. Proverbs 6 lists a lying tongue and a false witness which pours out lies as two of the seven abominations to the Lord. Two of the worst abominations to the Lord. And there are many, many other scriptures that speak about lying. Psalm 119, Psalm 163, Proverbs 12, and on and on. Now yes, yes there are at least two instances in these scriptures where lying produced a favorable result. The lie that the Hebrew midwives told the Pharaoh when they allowed the newborn babies to live, that seems to have resulted in a blessing upon them from the Lord. That's found in Exodus 1, by the way. Another example is Rahab's lie when she lied to protect the Israelite spies there in Joshua chapter 2. It's important to note, however, that despite what might appear to be positive outcomes of those lies, God never condones lying. And the Bible nowhere states that there are instances where lying in any form is the right thing to do. Now before we close, I want us to think through the last part of that verse. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. A neighbor in this instance is not just any neighbor. It is part of the body of Christ. He says, we know that because of the next words, for we are members of one another. God is saying, do not lie to other members of the body of Christ. Now the whole first portion of this chapter that we're studying now is dedicated to learning how we should live together in the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace within this body of Christ. These words here in verse 25 are very specific about how we must speak truth to members of the body of Christ, to other believers. And no, that does not mean that we can at times lie to unbelievers. It just means that it is especially egregious when we cause our brother to stumble, when we cause our sister to stumble, and by doing that bring corruption into the whole body of believers because we elected to lie. It seemed right at the moment, but it never turns out for good. Not to the body. Folks, listen. Learning how to live as a new man, as a new woman in Christ, truly is very difficult.
But we can be confident that as we take each of these steps into our new self, Christ will give us the strength to do them. And we must. You and I must dedicate ourselves to digging into these scriptures and learning what we're to do next. Because if we leave even a portion of that void left within us from when we were first saved, when the old man was taken away, the demonic world will come in immediately. Please understand that. And they'll influence us in ways particular to what we used to enjoy back before we were saved because we remember how we enjoyed those things that we used to do before we were saved. And those same demons will come in and make us want to do them all over again. We need to take this as a firm warning. Now, Lord willing, we'll pick up on these verses next week. Let me close with our text again. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, those old ways, which grows corrupt, grows corrupt, does not stay static. It will grow corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray.